Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome on into a Wednesday edition of Morning Jocks. Damian Mitchell alongside Conrad Van Order. And you as well, 205-834-9450. As we are 19 days away till Christmas. We're we're getting we're inching closer there and enjoying the, the last few days, the last few moments of 2023. And we open the floor to a discussion. What did you learn? In the SEC, as we turn the page, as Alabama claims another SEC title, I'm not even going to say claims another SEC title, earned another SEC championship. My apologies, Crimson Conrad, for disrespecting the Crimson Tide. It's all right. It's early. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Is What have you learned about the SEC? And also, an SEC coach getting a new head coaching gig, a former SEC coach getting a new head coaching gig, that and more, I almost said it was in return. As we get to it every morning, this is what we call the Rip and Read. Morning Jocks presents Rip and Read. And as always, the Rip and Read is brought to you by our friends at Evolve IT. Have you ever had a security breach, connectivity, or database lost? Protect your company with a premier technology solution provider, Evolve IT. Evolve IT is the fastest growing technology managed based service provider in the Southeast due to their record breaking customer satisfaction resolution times. They're so confident in their services that they will pay any client that is unsatisfied in the first 30 days $1,000. Call 205 881 2120 or go to Evolve, that's E V O L V dot U S. Man started off uh, out west. Man was a former head coach at Vanderbilt, former defensive coordinator at Auburn and Oklahoma State. That is one Derek Mason is now reported to be the new head coach at Middle Tennessee State University, replacing Rick Scott Stotskill after 18 seasons with the Blue Raiders. And... You know what? He takes a year off, goes into the booth. I mean, he does a great job on the SEC Network, did a wonderful job in Coach Mason, and now accepting the role at Middle Tennessee State. And it's that itch that, you know what? I think if they give him time, which, I mean, they gave a guy 18 years for, you know, Coach Scott Skill is somebody that pretty much generated a whole new offense there in the air raid system for Middle Tennessee State. I think this is a good grab for them. I think when you look at, in totality, somebody that, you know, the expectations aren't, through the roof, pretty much if you go in and just consistently t- trend the program upward, I think this is probably a, a nice, a, I hate to say this, but a nice launching point for him to get a, a bigger head coaching job if he does a good job there at Middle Tennessee State. No, and that's kind of what, I mean, we talked about a little bit before we came on the air, and it's just, it's one of those jobs where, you know, not to say there's not expectations, but it's a lot different than being somewhere like 
you know, even a Vanderbilt in the SEC, I would say. And, you know, obviously he's been a coordinator at some bigger name programs as well. So, no, I mean, it's a place, like you said, you can go and, you know, even if you're just able to have a moderate amount of success, uh, you're going to be able to, you know, you're probably going to be able to stick around for a while. And then if you are able to, you know, have a couple of really good seasons at MTSU, you know, you can use that as a launching point, whether it's to get back into the SEC potentially one day or really just the Power Five in general general and so you know and a lot of these guys you feel like too you know once you get a head coaching job going back to being a coordinator I'm sure they still enjoy it but I have to imagine you probably have some sort of an itch to get back and be the head uh, of an entire program and so getting an opportunity to go to MTSU I mean it's a solid school I mean didn't have the best year this year but I mean when you look at their schedule they had a they had a really, really tough schedule. I mean, you you lost to Alabama, Missouri, Liberty. I mean, those are three teams that are playing in New Year's Six Bowl games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are three of your losses as well as, you know, teams like New Mexico State and what they were able to do with Jerry Kill. Uh, we all are, are well familiar with here in this area. So, you know, I think he can go and, you know, have a, a couple good years there, and then I think he will use it as an opportunity Uh to get back into the Power Five at some point down the line. But, I mean, you can do a lot worse at Middle Tennessee than hiring a guy that's been a head coach in the SEC. Right. And, you know, the record is not the most ideal, but, again, he was at Vanderbilt. No, like it's no. He comes in with a record of 27-55. That is not great. I, I will say, though, <laughs> I just feel like he's one of – first off, he's a great defensive coach. Like, right. he – he has that side of things figured out uh, very well. Uh, but everything I've ever – I've never personally met him, but from people I know that have met him and have had relationships with him, I everybody just has nothing but good things to say about Derrick yeah. Mason. And I got a chance to see him uh, this past SEC Media Days. I mean, he seems like a very, seemed like a very approachable guy. Um, and he likes talking ball. I will say that. Like, he can get, he can get down to the, the X's and O's. Like you said, as far as the defensive side – Something that he knows. I mean, it's somebody that's coached down here at Auburn, you know, under the <clears throat> Brian Harson era. But nonetheless, he's been, he's been in, in the conference for a while. He understands how it goes. And now you take that to Middle Tennessee State. And like, I, like we talked about, you you build it up in a place where it's, there's pretty much no immediate pressure to have it up and running. Like, you're going to have time. And I think for him – especially getting those reps and getting back into the groove of things. Like you said, it comes a sense of – it's almost like a pride thing of like, I've been a coordinator, but I've also been a head coach in the biggest league, in the best league. Granted, it was at Vanderbilt. But by God, I know I can – this program, I know that I know that from the inside out, especially there in Murfreesboro. Yeah, you just want to probably be able to prove to yourself that you can still lead a program and have success like that. And, yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, I mean, you kind of brought it up with his time at Auburn and his time at Vanderbilt. I mean – those are those were tough spots to be in. I mean, right. we know what Vanderbilt is, and we know what Auburn was in the Brian Harson area era, and then going to Oklahoma State and having to replace Jim Knowles, who did such a good job, and now you know all the success that he's been having at Ohio State running their defense. Uh, you know, those are some some tough sp- positions to be in. Um, but through it all, I mean, I would say that he's done. He he did a very good job with what he had to work with. Uh, you know, as a defensive coordinator in his last two stints. So yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think it's a good route to go for Middle Tennessee. It's kind of a you know, like you said, a big change after you know you've had your coach for 18 years. He is the fourth longest tenured head coach in all of college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be a transition period for the for the program, you would imagine, and you know that does help if you're Derek Mason because you have to imagine that you know the people signing your paychecks there in Murfreesboro are going to have some patience with you and they're going to understand, okay, we know what it's like to have a guy here for almost two decades and what that can look like and how, you know, that continuity, how good that can be for the program. So yeah, I I think he'll have plenty of time to get things rolling and I I would expect that he'll, you know, end up having a successful tenure there in uh, middle Tennessee. I agree as well. Again, Derek Mason, now the newly reported head coach there at middle Tennessee State. And taking a look at the 2023 season that was the SEC, and something I brought up earlier, what did we learn and what did you learn about the SEC as a whole in 2023? We'll discuss that more when we return here on Morning Jocks and Jocks 94.5. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money, but can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents. We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose, to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. <laughs> I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. 614 here on Jocks 94.5. Morning Jocks, Damian Mitchell alongside Conrad Van Order and you as well. 205-834-9450. You can text or call in there. You can follow the show on Elon Musk Twitter app at Jocks Morning. Follow me at RunDM6. Conrad at ConradVO. Underscore six. And before we went to break, I brought up the question what did we learn about the SEC this past season? And I started, you know, looking at some numbers and things. And one overarching, I guess you'd say, theme that I got. And people always say, oh, the SEC's falling off. Like they're just not as. Let me tell you something. Before entering their bowl games, there are four teams with 10 win seasons in the SEC right now. There are five of the top 13 teams in the country are SEC teams, and if you added in Texas and Oklahoma, over half of the top 13 teams (laughs) in the country would be from the SEC. So this kind of mantra... Yeah, they're awful year. Yeah, like to say, oh, the SEC's down. Um, When you look at 2022, Missouri finished sixth in the SEC, in the SEC East. This year, they are number two. Missouri has 10 wins this season. And granted, I did pick them last in the SEC East going into this year. I did too. But when you look at, like, I I look at things like that, and you look at Ole Miss putting back-to-back 10 win seasons together. Now LSU has a chance of being that fifth team in the SEC to win 10 games. So I say, where is this mantra? Where did this kind of, because you see SEC teams may fall to, like, you see Auburn fall to a New Mexico State. You see, you know, things like that happen, but... 
to say that the quote unquote SEC is falling off and yet you still have representation in the college football playoff, I'd say I beg to differ. Yeah, well, okay, so first off, the narrative, I think, comes from the beginning of the year because earlier in the season, the SEC was having a tough time with their non-conference matchups. Like, well, we can... There's no no doubt about that. Like, for a while, Missouri's win on the thicker kicker against Kansas State, that was like the SEC's best non-conference win for a while. So, things did get off to a turbulent start there, but no, I... I, I don't know if now it's – I think part of it is the disappointment of certain teams that you thought were going to maybe be in a national championship or an SEC championship hunt that fell short of that. Um, so like LSU, for example, everybody um, expected that probably worst-case scenario, they would go 10-2, and two, and so you're not yeah. much worse than that at 9-3. and three, But, you know, there are a lot of people picking LSU to win – go to the SEC and, you know, people even picking them to win the national championship this year, uh, and that didn't come to fruition. Then you have Tennessee, who was in the thick of the college football playoff race last year, and they still had a solid year this year. It was just, I mean, it's a disappointment compared to last year. Uh, And so I think people look at that and kind of ding the SEC a little bit. And then it is probably the fact that you have a a Missouri team is your Technically, your third best team in the SEC as a whole, based on where they're ranked, and I think a lot of people going, but they're they've been bad for a while. So are we really just going to assume that they're really that good right now? Uh, and and so I think all of those things combined with the usual dose of SEC fatigue that we see from a lot of people year in and year out. Um, I think all of those things just kind of go together and, and, and are why some people have the opinion that the SEC had fallen off. Because, I mean, to be fair, there was a point in the year where you would have said probably the Pac-12 was the best conference or at least the most competitive conference in college football. Uh, and we see where that got us now. So I do. I, I still just think it's a lot of people holding on to the beginning of the season and what they saw there, and it's like, ah, well, the SEC was kind of down to start the season, so we'll just kind of go from there. But, I mean, when you look around at the other conferences, I mean, okay, the Pac-12 had two teams fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. We had that last year. Uh, the Big Ten had Ohio State and Michigan, and everybody else was uh, really a non-factor. Uh that's the usual, the Big 12. Okay, Texas <laughs> finally rose up. Yeah. Uh, but you've had, you know, your Baylors and your Oklahomas and teams over the last couple of years that had done that. So, and I mean, in the ACC, you just had Florida State and that was it. So, I mean, I, I think that right now, clearly the SEC is still the best conference in college football. It's not even close right, right. now. Right. And you look at, like, we just saw a coach at Texas A&M and Jimbo Fish get fired and their team went 7-5. and five. Like, Think about the expectation to win in this conference. And granted, it's not like A&M is amazing and it's not like they're absolutely terrible. But you look at a coach that literally went 7-5 and five in a situation where they didn't feel as though he had done enough just at his program right then. And I understand that you expect they, like to, ha- to be in the SEC and to know what comes with it it's almost like an added sense of of pressure at every single level, at every single school, to be honest. And we look at just the sense of urgency. Like, you look at the the rotating guys that Tennessee had there for a period of time. You look at the success that Lane Kiffin has had at Ole Miss. Like, 
who would have thought that we would consistently look at Ole Miss as pretty much being one of the better, if not one of the best teams in the conference, but the only hurdles that they got to get over are two of the best teams in college football mm -hmm. year in and year out. Now, without divisions, it's a little bit different, but for a period of time, the only thing stopping them from winning the West is the best team in college football in the Alabama Crimson Tide. So it's like, it's so hard to judge just how strong a conference is because of how consistently, I guess you'd say top-heavy the two teams are in Georgia and Alabama. But like you said, look at Tennessee winning 10 games last year. You look at now Missouri winning 10 games. It's because of the consistency of, of greatness at different levels, at different spurts, at different schools, that I think that that's what makes the the conference that much better. Because like you said, we had expectations of, you know, LSU could have been that team to, I mean, I picked them to win the West this past season. Now look at me now, egg on my face. But we looked at them as being one of those better teams, in which they are, but they're not winning at the level that we're used to for an LSU program. And the fact that, I mean, you can't even say Brian Kelly's building it up. Hell, the ingredients were already there. Now you just need to put it out, on, put the product on paper. Well, and I think, I mean, one of the, I don't know, I guess one of my favorite arguments in this kind of discussion is, all right, let's take, you know, you can take LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, whatever, but let's take Ole Miss or LSU. They're the fifth best team in the SEC. Who's the fifth best team in every other conference? Because <laughs> I can guarantee you that whoever it is, LSU is absolutely going to smoke them because you're looking at, you know, I, I don't know, like the Maryland's of the world mm -hmm. or in Iowa or – um you know, a Kansas State or a, you know, teams uh, of that kind of a mold where, not to say those aren't solid programs, like I'm not saying that at all, it's just, I mean, you've got your fifth best team in your conference is number 13 in the country, and I feel like on any given day, you know, there's teams in the top 10 that LSU would be favored over and I, that they could definitely beat, uh, and so, you know, it, it, I guess it's it's an easy... It was an easy thing for people to latch on to early in the year because they always want the SEC to be down. So when, you know, whenever you have like, oh, well, the SEC was only four and six against the ACC this year, and look at how bad the ACC was kind of from top to bottom. It's like, okay, I can understand that. But at the same time, I mean, really the only team from the SEC that you played that was any good was LSU. Like, that's great that you had a winning record against the conference, but you're beating up on teams under 500 like South Carolina and Florida. So is yeah. it really that impressive? Yeah, and and I think that's one of kind of the more interesting things too, because even when you look at some of the some of the uh, interconference matchups that kind of like Georgia, Georgia Tech, and you know the score may be you know 31-24, but it's it's not that Georgia Tech isn't a good team. It's just I mean the eighth best team in the SEC just beat the second best team in the ACC. Right. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. It, exactly. Like yeah. situations like that where you can't I don't necessarily buy the the narrative that, oh, the SEC's falling off. Like I just think that, you know, coming out of the gate, yeah, it, it looked a little different. But to me, when you look at just where the where the conference is and how pretty much, like we say, pretty much year in and year out, the title's gonna run through this conference. No matter how you get there, you can't say, you know, you can't have a CFP without the SEC. It's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, and that's why one of the things that I, I know people that are not in the SEC footprint always use the, well, the SEC always gets the benefit of the doubt or, the, or Alabama or Georgia always get the benefit of the doubt, particularly when you're talking about the college football playoff and, and the selection process. 
And okay, I can understand where that might be frustrating for you if you are not a fan of one of those schools or a fan of the Southeastern Conference. Who else are you giving the benefit of the doubt to? Like, that's kind of the entire point. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I understand that you may not like it, but if anybody's deserved the benefit of the doubt, it's Alabama and Georgia and the SEC as a whole because you've seen the dominance that they've had over the last two decades in college football. If you're going to give anybody the benefit of the doubt, it should be the SEC because the SEC has proven that they have the capability to get multiple teams into a playoff. You have an oppor- an ability to get uh, – you know, you're winning national titles at such a clip, and you've even had a variation in it between Alabama and Georgia and LSU just in the last five years. Like, you can't tell me that the schedule that you have to go through in the SEC each and every year to reach a potential college football playoff is not the hardest in college football. And there's a reason these teams play so well when they get in the playoff yep. because they have to play hard teams throughout <laughs> the year. And so they're actually ready for competition once they get. Uh, into into the into the playoff potentially, and so I think that's something. I mean, you could have even made that argument against going to the SEC title game this year. I think you know, kind of the deciding factor or a big difference maker for Alabama was they were more tested than Georgia at mm-hmm. that point in the year, and you could see it and how physical they played and how resilient they were because they had been in situations where they had been in close ball games, they had been in tough situations, they had played in in tough environments. And Georgia hadn't had to deal with that as much. So that's just kind of the way that things go in, in the SEC. And, you know, it's only going to get better from here, you would imagine, with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. I know that's the last thing that people want to think about. But, I mean, look at where you are right now. I mean, if, if we had an expanded playoff this year, I mean, you would have, what, four or five SEC teams in the playoff with, I mean, you'd have Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Missouri and Ole Miss, and right? Ole Miss, yeah, that's almost half the field. Like <laughs> people are gonna hate it, but you're the best conference, yeah, right? Like what? Like how can you punish? Mm, let me let me rephrase that because I was about to say, how can you punish a team for winning? Because <clears throat> look at Florida State. Uh, oh, just had to throw that one out. That there. was just an unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> That was just collateral damage for Alabama. <laughs> that's that's all that was. That's what I'm saying. Like how can you say a conference is falling off when literally? A conf- a Power Five conference champion just got skipped over for the SEC champion. Granted, I understand, you know, that's you know, situations happen, injuries arise, but you know, you kind of live with the results. And we want your reaction as well. We see you on hold. We'll get to you right here off after the break, discussing what did we learn in the SEC transfer portal and more when we return here on Morning Jocks and Jocks 94.5. Good choice. Great choice. 631 here on Jocks 94.5. This is Morning Jocks. Damian Mitchell alongside Conrad Van Order and you as well. 205-834-9450. We appreciate you calling in and texting as well. You follow the show at Jocks Morning on Twitter at RunDM6 at ConradVO underscore 6. Going to get some reaction here discussing what did we learn in the SEC over the 2023 season, and uh, we, man, I tell you what, Lance is Lance just texted in Lance in Birmingham. He says skip, skipping Florida State in favor of the SEC champion was not cool. Oh, okay, that's a little different. I am a lifelong SEC fan, and I can tell you that that was not fair. Well, 
Life is not life, fair, unfortunately. Life's not fair. People already hate the SEC because we are such a winning conference. Hey, they hate us because they ain't us. And this is just going to polarize them against us more. Hey, we want it. We embrace the hate. And if you think that's that them, no. And if you think that this like doesn't matter, then wait until people are on the committee starting, start going against us because they don't want us to make people unhappy. I understand that's a no-win situation. But it doesn't mean we have to take glee in the fact that Alabama leapfrogging a 13-0 team to get in the playoffs. I'm going to go ahead and let you know, if you talk to any Alabama fan, they do not care who was in front of them because now they in. I, <laughs> like, like I, okay, so what? You're going to <laughs> it, to get revenge on the SEC. You're going to leave Alabama or Georgia or somebody out of the playoff in the future because that's not going to piss off a large part of your viewership. <laughs> like... Come I, on, man. I get it. With it. Look, I, I, I get it. it. If I was a Florida State fan, I would be upset too, but you should be mad at your commissioner. We could have had a 12-team playoff right now, but <laughs> him and Klyovkov and uh, the old Big Ten commissioner couldn't uh, – oh, Kevin Warren. The alliance. They, they decided that, yeah, they wanted to unite against the SEC and the yes. Big Ten expanding and – this is what it got you. Also, I'm pretty sure Florida State had an opportunity to join the SEC a few decades ago, and yep. you didn't take that opportunity. And it sucks that you have to report you so decades later, but here you are. Go buy a uh, one of their don't uh, can't beat us cheetah shirts. Throw into the pool <laughs> so they can leave that uh, that conference over there. Hey, right, listen, man. It, it, one thing we do know: life ain't fair, and it's not. We appreciate y'all hopping on the phone lines with us, 205-834-9450. Let's go to our buddy, Larry. Let's talk to Paul. What's just going on, Larry? Guys, always it's an amazing argument, but really when you really think about it, it uh, boils down to, I guess, obviously cachet, but merit. I'm, how many years ago, guys, when it was when Auburn, I can't remember if it was 83 or 2003, when they – they got skipped by Miami to play in the national championship. Y'all remember what year that was? Two thousand? Are you talking about two thousand and four? I think so. I think it was that year. Remember that Auburn? Everything fell in line, and Auburn won, and the other teams lost. But they, Miami jumped Auburn to play for the national championship. Is it when they were supposed to play USC? I think that was Oklahoma, wasn't it that year? Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I'm trying to re- recollect. I'm just trying to remember. But yeah, it was two thousand four. That was the year. Yeah, that's right. But. Uh, no, I just want to say this, guys. Uh, as far as the, the, the recruiting involved in the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma coming in, it, it, talk about a juggernaut, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really it's, – it's, it's going to be utterly amazing. I just wanted to throw that out there, guys. Enjoy the show every day. Thanks, guys. Absolutely, Larry. We appreciate you as well, man. I mean, to me, it's just one of those things that – we saw this on the horizon years ago, like when the SEC first started expanding. It's like, okay, and then the more money that's brought in, the more revenue, the more eyeballs, the more success the conference is having, yeah, it's going to be appealing. And I remember a couple years ago when they announced that Texas and Oklahoma was coming. Like, it was during SEC media days, and everybody was like, what? <laughs> like, wait a minute, you're doing what? And you're adding two big-time programs into a conference that's already, I mean, it's already at the top. So to me, I just kind of, you can say, I know we're in the footprint, we live it, we breathe it, we're always around it, but even from the outside looking in, I find it difficult how somebody could make an argument against the SEC for us having the success that we're having, because to me, it just just means more. Like, that's not just a slogan, it's an actual fact. When you go to these programs at every level from football, basketball, like, 
Alabama was the number one overall seed in March Madness last year. Like, the, it, everything runs through the South, and there's no way around it. No, there's not. It's, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I would hate to be, you know, it just feels like, it's like the SpongeBob meme of Squidward up in his house watching Patrick and SpongeBob <laughs> outside having a great time. Like, that's that's Florida State right now, and it's unfortunate that you're in that situation, and, and I get that, but, I mean, first off, you have a really, really – you have a great head coach right now, and your program is mm-hmm. headed in a fantastic direction. You're going to have a chance to be in the playoffs probably next year, and if not next year, within the next couple of years because that program is riding high right now. They are going to be very, very good for a very long time. They have the ability to be. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't like in a company, and I don't know like how marketing sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah, and like Jay Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah, yeah. To that, remind me not to quote any hip hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. You want the four best teams in, man. Like, that's my thing with Florida State fans is I understand the frustration of it. But how many of, of them did really believe that Florida State had a chance to go and win the entire thing? Like, if you just want the participation trophy to say, hey, we went to the college football playoff again, that's great. But, like, that what, that doesn't mean anything for you. And, and we talked about this yesterday. Like, part of why the committee made the decisions that they did is because they viewed it as we have Alabama, we have Florida state. Do we think Florida state can win the entire thing? Can they win the national championship? No. Can Alabama? Yes. You don't want to leave out the team that could win the entire thing. Exactly. Because then it's the ultimate. What if, because you, if you had Alabama do what they did in the bowl game last year, where you are the first team left out, you go scorched earth on a conference champion, beat them by 30 plus, And everyone goes, Oh, yeah, they should have been in the playoff. They were one of the four best teams, but it's too late for that now. I mean, I'm sorry, like it's unfortunate, but F- Alabama's better than Florida State right now. I, I get that you once thirteen and zero and once uh, you know twelve and one, and I get that. That is literally the only thing that Florida State has over Alabama right now. You cannot convince me that there's any other. There's no other metric or. You know, uh, there's nothing else that you could point to and say, oh, well, this is why Florida State is just flat out better than Alabama. They didn't have a loss. They played a significantly easier schedule. Yep. Alabama's strength of schedule was five. Florida State's was 55. Mm. That's a big difference there. Yeah. Florida State, I mean, listen, I understand you, but at this point, you kind of crying over spilled milk. And you know what you could do? You could go out in the, in the bowl game and you could t- show the world, you know what? We deserve to be in there. But you're going to have to do it against the two-time defending national champions, and it's easier said than done. Let's go to our buddy Scoobs. Wants to talk some ball with us on Morning Josh. What's going on, Scoobs? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Man, doing well, brother. About yourself? Doing pretty good. A couple of quick things. Um, First off, either one of you have a sneaky good bowl game that's really piquing your interest. That's the first question. I mean, to be honest, just because of the contrast and styles, Tennessee and Iowa. Just because I don't know how that, that game one is, is going interesting. To look. Yeah. Okay, I was just curious because uh, obviously we're getting ready to start the season, and there's always things to look at. Um, 
based off what your caller just or I, I, I think you read something. I'm sorry about a guy who said he's a diehard SEC fan and yeah. all that, this, this, that, and the other. Okay, take you as much time as you can and look at that top 25. And out of that top 25, I just want to do something fun. Give me the teams that Florida State is, is an underdog against currently the way that they sit without Jordan Travis. And I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, guys. I love your show. Man, we appreciate you, schools. I mean, it's it's pretty significant. I know if at least the top four, they're going to be underdogs, probably double-digit underdogs. I mean, there's so there's a ton of different ranking systems and things that you can look at from you know computer analytics to you know Joe Schmo on Twitter who puts out his own Twitter rankings to you know a combination of you know that you have the Sagarin rate. There, there's a million different ranking systems that you can have out there. But if you notice, something that happened over the past couple of weeks was the majority of places you looked, a lot of places, not only was Florida State not one of the four best teams in a lot of rankings, there were some places in undefeated Florida State, and keep that in mind, were outside the top 10. I mean, you had people that had them as like the 12th best team in the country. A lot of places had them as the 8th best team in the country. And I get it, like... If you're a Florida State fan, you're mad, you went undefeated, you did everything you possibly could to put yourself in a position to make the college football playoff. But sometimes that's just, you know, that's not enough. Sometimes there's too many good teams, and you knew that there was always, uh, eventually there was going to be a a season. It didn't seem like it was going to happen, so the fact that it's the last year of the four-team playoff is, is pretty ironic. But you knew there was going to be a year. You have five Power Five conferences, four playoff spots. Yep. Eventually, there was going to be a season where all five conferences had at least one deserving team, and somebody was going to get left out. Boom. And it had to be Florida State. And because the resume didn't match up with the other exactly. teams that are in the playoff. And I get that, but when you have a, a neck-and-neck comparison, and one team has their healthy... They have all of their best players available, including their starting quarterback, and you are missing your starting quarterback, who is a Heisman Trophy contender, a difference maker, and you have multiple weeks to watch a team without that player, and you can say, oh, they look drastically different without him. It is what it is. You're not going to get in, and I'm sorry. It's it's very unfortunate that... You know, you played North Alabama and your quarterback broke his leg. I hate that for Jordan Travis. I really do. But what are you get, what are you supposed to do about that? You can't just put a team in and say, "Well, you know, here's your participation trophy. We really appreciate it." It's just shocking to me how many Florida State fans seem like they're begging to go and get boat raced in another college football playoff. Do you really want a repeat of 2014? You got embarrassed. You yep. didn't belong then, and you don't belong now. You got in last time. It didn't work out. And this time you got left out. So go beat Georgia. Then you can claim your national championship and claim that all of us were wrong and all of us doubted you, and that's fine, and you can have that. But I think we all know what's going to happen in the Orange Bowl, and it's not going to be pretty for Florida State. Couldn't have said it better myself, my brother. Heavy D on the phone line was talking ball. What's going on, Heavy D? Hey, same deal, different day, brother. Love the show. Uh, I had a question for you. Uh, if Quinn yours decides to stay another year at Texas, do you think that Arch Manning will enter the portal? And uh, I'll uh, I'll hang up and listen to y'all's answer. 
Uh, hope y'all have a great day and fourth and thirty-one to you. Yes, you. sir. <laughs> um, no, nah, to me, I think that it's another year to get right because it's it's almost like a Carson Beck situation. Like, all right, you can let Quinn Ewers kind of do the heavy lifting, but if you learn and truly grasp, and I think he's got the pedigree to be a pretty good quarterback when his time is ready. I mean, he's just a typical freshman. Like, he's just not ready right now. Yeah, no. I mean, the last thing that the last report that I read um, was that he's happy in Texas still. Uh, we'll see what happens with Quinn Ewers based on uh, somebody I talk to frequently. He's a pretty big Texas fan who eh, he might be joining us on these airwaves in about six hours from now. Colt McCoy. Uh, right, yeah. Um, but no, he seems to to think that Quinn Ewers is going to come back and that Arch Manning's going to be uh, content to stay there at Texas because you would know that um, you know, you wait one more year, Quinn Ewers is going to go to the NFL the program's going to be yours, and that's a program that's really turning in the right direction right now. So I understand because it's, you know, I could understand if Texas was staying in the Big 12, maybe then you would look at an opportunity to leave and go to the Big 10 or the SEC or something. But you're coming to the SEC. Your program's in a good spot. Sark's, you know, firing on all cylinders. It, it doesn't really make much sense, but I would not be surprised if Malik Murphy on the other hand, decides to see if there's greener pastures out there. But mm. I would I would be surprised, honestly, if Arch left at this point. Yeah, and I, I again, like he's just a freshman that's just not ready yet. I know the last name does have a polarizing effect, but just give him some time. I was about to say, if there's a family that's going to know how to navigate this situation, <laughs> how to put him in a position to succeed, it's that family. Yep. Uh, so I think they know what they're doing. I think they're going to be fine. Absolutely. Lutely, we see you on hold. Guys, we're going to get to you when we return here on Morning Jocks and Jocks 94.5. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about, Conrad. I know we're about to have ourselves a great day. We've got Florida Georgia Line playing at 6 o'clock in the morning. you love to see it. Welcome on into Morning Jocks, Jocks 94.5. Damian Mitchell alongside Conrad Van Order and you as well, 205-834-9450. We appreciate the text and the phone calls as well as we're discussing just what did you learn in the SEC over this year, and we're going to go to our buddy. Anthony wants to talk with us. What's going on, Anthony? Hey, good morning, fellas. How y'all doing? Doing well, brother. Hey, Damien, that, uh, that Florida Georgia line hit, 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 you, hit you just right this morning. I'm huh? telling you, dog. It was, I mean, fresh after a cup of coffee and then hitting that. and Yo, yes, sir. We're here for it. <laughs> Man, hey, uh, they call it. They call it about Miami jumping Auburn. I think that did happen in the eighties, but you know we also got left out again in two thousand four when we had the perfect season. And right, everybody knows in ninety two we were on pro- probation and had a pro- perfect season. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of heartbreak being an Auburn fan, but uh, hey, it happens. Um, as far as the twelve team playoff, I'm really looking forward to uh, next year because um, with the 12-team playoffs, it's more, of a, it's more of a set criteria with the conference champions going in there. So we, we will have the committee deciding on, on some portions of it, but a lot of it is going to be kind of already predetermined because you're going to have a criteria set that you have to meet to get in. So it, it'll be... they got to figure like that out first, though. <laughs> they still don't even have it figured yeah, out yeah, for next with the, with year. The fact, yeah, they got to figure it out for next year. But um, that, that's that's the only point. I mean, as far as this year, did they get the best teams in? Yes. 
it sucks for F FSU. Like, I, I really thought FSU was going to get in, but I actually worked with a lady that her husband is a big-time Florida State fan, and he said he didn't even want Florida State to make it because he knew they were going to get blew out. Because I went to work, like, was your husband pissed off, you know, ticked off? And she was like, nah, he, he was like, nah, if we made it, we were going to get blown out by whoever we played. So I was like, man, that that's for Biden, like, He's so big of a Florida State fan that he named one, you know, one of his sons' name is Noel. Like, so, I mean. That's deep some, right some, there. Some, yeah, dude, that, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, all right, that, I'm, I'm not going to hold you guys, man. Just wanted to break that point out. It was too much to take, so I said I just called this morning. Man, Anthony, as always, brother, feel free to call in any time. Let's get to our buddy Bennett wants to talk some ball. Man, what's going on this morning, Bennett? Hey, so I want to just kind of share one of my most surprising things in the SEC. Let's go, brother. I honestly have to say it's Missouri. I think that's what many people would say. But I've just been, frankly, impressed because it also shows that there might be a chance for some other teams that aren't just like the teams that have been good for really as long as I can remember in my lifetime. Um, like, for instance, Missouri has made their way all the way up uh, into the top ten. And the previous years, they don't think they even made a bowl game last year. So that's frankly impressive and I'm gonna leave you all with a question like do you think this could um be like a starting to maybe some of like the top teams like Georgia and Alabama maybe going down and maybe some other teams filling their spot as the top team in the SEC I don't know first off I will say Bennett you just made me feel old this morning because I just realized you probably don't remember you might not have even been alive when Missouri went to -to back-to-back SEC championships so like in his lifetime they are just bad so that kind of makes me feel old because that would have been what was that fourteen fifteen? That would have been like ten years ago. Yeah, some or, it, was it was like thirteen, was like something like that. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, all right, thanks, Ben. Now I feel old uh, this morning. I appreciate that, but uh, I mean, I, I think that you'll have maybe some more parity in the SEC, but I still think that I mean it's gonna be hard to unseat Alabama and Georgia because I, I mean, still I, I think the gap. I mean, you look at the gap that guys like Brian Kelly talk about between them and Alabama and them and Georgia. And you only imagine what that is like Lane Kiffin for what he's done at Ole Miss. He's done a phenomenal job. I think we'd both agree with that. Right. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like this is the ceiling though. Right. And I mean, now with the playoff expanding that helps, but if you were going to stay in a four team format, I mean, it, it really just kind of seems like at Ole Miss, you know, 10 and two is kind of the ceiling. And then you go to a bowl game, win 11 games, you have a great year, but it's just it's it's so hard at a place like that to compete on the level of an Alabama or a Georgia mm-hmm. in terms of the depth that you have, being able to retain your coaches, retain your players now with NIL and everything. It's it's just it's just really tough. Yeah, and it takes again, it's one of those things with the transfer portal, NIL. I mean, you could take the Texas A and M route, buy you a few and see what that can do for you, but it's not always that doesn't always equal success. So it's going to be a fun ride. Let's go to Daniel as we wrap up here on Morning Josh. What's going on, Daniel? Uh, what's going on? Good morning, fellas. Good morning, brother. Uh, wanted to talk 12-team playoff. I'm so ready for it. I'm uh, you know, a big Alabama fan, and I cannot wait okay. to see uh, Rotide. The big three, it should be the big ten, but I call it the big three, the Michigan, Ohio State, sometimes Penn State. Let's put them in every year. Yeah, it's the big two and a half. Let's call it the big two and a half. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and Notre Dame, you know, (laughs) they have to lose four or five games to get out of the top ten, so they'll get in every year, and they'll get smacked every year by the SEC, (laughs) and I cannot wait. It's a free win, baby. Oh, my goodness. 
I'm so ready for it. Because, you know, what are they going to cry about next? Because, you know, Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, when six of those 12 teams are SEC teams, I mean, what are they going to cry about then? So, you know, I, I can't wait. Roll Tide, fellas. Roll Tide. Daniel, man, we appreciate that, man. That then you look at it, he's already ready for the twelve team playoff. Alabama's getting ready for the fourteen playoff. Mm-hmm. Make sure we're gonna send them out right, man. It's gonna be fun. We appreciate all the interaction this morning on both sides of it. Like, still got some Florida State fans crying over spilled milk. Also got we got four best teams in the college football playoff. I know that. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> and you get uh three more hours of me and Damian from yes, eleven sir. to two. Filling in for Pat Landrum on three-man front. It's going to be a fun day. Absolutely. Keep a lock right here. Macaroni and Kublik in the morning. Those boys are next. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's What Women Binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And then I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.